0: This is the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition with Peter Gowers. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency. Weekends with Walshie starts now.
1: Hello there. Welcome. This is the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition, also known as Weekends with Walshie. I am Peter Gowers. It's a pleasure to have you listening to this episode where we have lots and lots to talk about. So let's get the man himself the editor of the NT Independent Online newspaper, Christopher Walsh, otherwise now known as Nostradamus. Walshie, how are you,
0: mate? <laughs> hey, I'm good, Pete. Good to see you again.
1: I say that because uh, you predicted the future last week, mate.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I was two days late and that might be a big difference somewhere. I don't know. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, still no.
1: impressive. I, I, I know. I noticed there was a few things um, that went across last episode, and I loved the expression. Um, you, you're gonna have to re- repeat it for me exactly, but something along the lines of, uh, "I know this to be true without having the tr- without having the evidence." <laughs> um, and then there was, "Stay tuned. Something will happen in my estimation before next episode because the numbers just don't stack up." Yeah. Well, the date's
0: Yeah. Well, I thought that um, we'd be talking about it, and we'll get into it a little bit more later on. I think, but uh, Chalker uh, getting this deal done with files to uh, prevent any information becoming public about their mm. uh, employment spat, and yeah, we thought Friday afternoon. Friday of a long weekend. Remember, he had gotten he'd gotten an extension from the judge to, to uh, file evidence against files. Yeah. So it was clear that they were pretty close to a deal because files wanted to avoid that information becoming public, and sure enough, it did. They waited until the Sunday morning for some reason to announce it, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we had that. And then I think what I was saying before, what was the last week? I can't remember what it was, but um, as I was telling you that I have a file at the office and it's called Things That I Cannot Prove But Know to Be True.
1: <laughs> it's brilliant. It really <laughs> is brilliant. Because yeah. it's amazing how often we get things like that correct, isn't it?
0: Oh, I know. Yeah. Look, there's like, you know, and, and yeah. I mean, I won't get into some of the darker stuff here, but just the one that pops up my head straight away was that um big feature that we ran over Christmas about behind the scenes of the Kent Rowe thing. And it was in that was revealed that that Nicole Manison's brother knew about these the, the the allegations at the time, later proven to be true that he had um, that he was a pedophile, that he had sexually assaulted a child numerous times over years. And they found out around the time that Kent was working on Nicole Madison's campaign, and then he quickly becomes the leader. And it's like, look, I cannot prove that Nicole Madison knew that, but these are things that I know to be true. Mm, (laughs) So, um, you know, and there's just so many in Darwin that you get into these things and it's like, oh, they've covered this up well, but, um, you know, common sense mostly is what we rely on as journalists. Is like, does this make sense? What are the optics of it? Um, yeah, what does it look like? So, yeah, that file's getting bigger and bigger, Pete.
1: I can only imagine. And, uh, you know, since the previous government through to this one, there's been plenty of things that uh, have not added up and <laughs> yeah. would be well, constantly being added to the file
0: we're going to have to start a whole credibility file on files um, because she's just, yeah, she's a file on files because she is losing credibility daily. I don't think she can even say anything now without people assuming that she's lying to them. Does she have any
1: left? Like
0: genuinely does she have any left? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's so bad. We're going to get into it, but I don't think we have it on there. But just interestingly enough today, her office is uh, vandalized this morning, and Woody head, yes. heads out there on the way into work. He takes a couple snaps, does up a quick piece. Anyway, apparently, so what it is is a, the, it looks like the anti-fracker fracking protesters had spray painted nine point eight nine dot eight. on there and it's not some cryptic thing it's uh it's actually the recommendation in the pepper inquiry that wasn't followed and wasn't adhered to and wasn't implemented i guess before they announced the the green light for fracking in the Beetaloo basin um now interestingly enough files for whatever reason didn't report that to police that our office had been damaged yep but is it like (laughs) you gotta ask yourself why there's all kinds of reasons one Does she not want to employees? Yeah, I don't know, but does she not want to up the crime stats herself? And and see rise there. But two, is it because she didn't want to discuss the fact that and bring attention to the fact that it's about her lying? Because she came out yesterday and said when she announced the the go-ahead for fracking in Beetleo, we've we've implemented all the recommendations. And that simply is not true. And we'll get into that later. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was just really uh, let down by other journalists in the city who didn't actually question that at the time. They let her just say that. Whereas if they had just gone and looked at what they were sent yep. by the government, they would have seen that they didn't implement them all. So they let them lie for a full day, and now today they've come out on, on the Thursday and said, "Oh well, this doesn't look like it's accurate now." So, but mm-hmm. look, it's again, it's her lying and covering it up, and uh, yeah, there's just no credibility anymore.
1: The worst part is, I think, when announcements like that are made, or, or pretty much anything within the last few months, um, you can work on the assumption that there's something missing from the yeah, statement yeah, yeah, rather absolutely. than the other way around.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And look, oh my God, really, we were going for lunch today and we were listening to the Country Hour. And now those guys are great guys. You got Matt yeah. Brown there. You got Dan Fitzgerald. These guys do terrific journalism in the NT, and uh, And... They were saying, okay, listen to this. And they played the clip from Files yesterday at the thing. And she said, the Aboriginal, you know, traditional landowners will absolutely have veto right over any type of of fracking exploration that happens on their land. Mm. And she said, I need to be very clear about that. And it's like, (laughs) okay, but here's the deal. That was always the case on Mm -hmm. Aboriginal land. now you get into pastoralist land. Well, that's yeah. something completely different. And she was talking about something, but she made a point of it to make it sound like they had done something great here. This has always yeah. been the law of the land.
1: They changed everything just specifically she, for this one.
0: Yeah, she just was misleading people there with something that's already there and making it sound like she had just brought this in, that it would mm. that they have veto rights over everything. No. No, they don't. And it was mm. it's just like this misdirection and this lying and the oh, and then and then the N T news. And I guess we get into it now, so we don't later. But then the NT News, they still have not reported that all the recommendations haven't been followed. In fact, they ran a story yesterday after we reported uh, the day that it happened in our main story that they didn't follow, that they did not implement all the recommendations despite claiming they did. Uh, They then ran a story saying, oh, it was, uh," the NT News actually said this. The government says this was an accident and that it showed that some of the recommendations weren't implemented on the website, but they've now gone back and corrected that yeah early yeah. this afternoon well wait a second no that's not even true and even if it is maybe that was true that it only showed however many were done it mm. still wouldn't have shown that they were all done now because that's just not a fact that's just not true mm. but, the, but the nt news continued to cover up for files in the labor government cover up the lie they have still failed to report they even had an interview with david ritchie who was the uh, independent overseer of yeah. this whole implementation thing who said It was his letter that we could quote that said they haven't done this with the offsets. They have not Mm -hmm. done this. They did a whole interview with him and never brought it up in the story Mm. once. It's unbelievable.
1: Chris, I'll tell you something else that really annoyed me with other media um, recently. And it was in relation to uh, when Zach Rolfe was given uh, (laughs) his final marching orders and talking about how he had written an opinion piece uh, for a media outlet, but at no stage were you guys credited. Is that, is that normal to do that?
0: <laughs> no, it's petty and vindictive, and they would just do that. Look, ABC did that on the story we broke about Manuel Brown a month ago or whatever that was before, back in March. And uh, their first version that was out there said, oh, a local media outlet broke the story. And yeah. then I think Owen sent a letter to ABC an email and then next thing we know it was changed to local media outlet NT independent broke the right. story. But yeah. look, some of them some of the editors, believe it or not, don't like us and they, they want to keep us down and and, mm. and not give us the credit. Whereas if we take anything from anywhere, we credit it. It's always well, that, you'll see ABC report. Even the NT News, even as much as it annoys us that the NT News maybe got something, we'll still give them credit if we use it.
1: That's why it stood out to me, because I, I thought I, I've been meaning to ask you for a while, and I thought, is that because the NT Independent do it differently than others, or is that the others not doing probably the right thing? And mentioning yeah, it's, it's
0: just like a lack of respect on their part. But, you know, that doesn't bother me. I mean, no. we're, we're going to keep doing it properly, and we'll continue to do it properly, and that's all yeah. I can do. I can just control what we do editorially, and we're going to do yeah. things right. And if they're mm. petty and vindictive, that's their problem.
1: Yes, it is. Look, let's uh, get into the stories. And uh, as we mentioned on News Bites, uh, unfortunately, the first story is not one that you <sighs> really want to be talking about, Chris. But, you know, something terrible has happened and we need to discuss it. And, look, as a result of uh, what happened, uh, which would be yesterday now, at the time of recording being Thursday, yep. uh, the Vice Chancellor of CDU's now come out and said so he'll no longer be able to tell international students that Darwin is a safe place for them to come.
0: Yeah, which, you know, as we were saying on the news, but it's that, um, you know, when does this start? to When does this crime crisis, and this out-of-control, senseless, violent crime, when does the government finally start doing something about it? And does it take something like this to become an almost international incident um, before something's finally done, and that is, it's going to hurt the bottom line here? And, you know, we were talking about that, and we were... Yesterday when I, and I was trying to figure out, you know, with um, other people about Scott Bowman, like why, I think you, you would ask that, why would he come out and say this? Yeah. Um, it, it may be that this guy, like I've heard good things about this guy, it may be that he's being honest here and he's saying like, look, I can't in good conscience when I recruit students mm. from overseas, if they ask me, is it safe, I can't. In good faith, say that anymore to them, and that, and he said, and it's going to affect us. And that—that that was the thing that he said. I mean, um, he said, "Look, yeah, the, it's it's going to um, have an impact on us," and that's just getting people here now. Now, what he's referencing, of course, is this the horrific, horrific. Um, uh, you know what do you call it? like a, a beating a
1: home invasion
0: a, a home invasion that led to this assault this violent um, assault on a 23 year old Bangladeshi student we know now who was a, a student at CDU. Uh, now this, the the reports are that. He uh, was asleep at 4.30 in the morning or 4 in the morning and uh, on Wednesday, and then someone had broken into the house that he shared with some flatmates. He was in his bed. Uh, it appears he, he woke at some point. He was then bludgeoned with an object uh, to the head um, repeatedly to, to the point, look, and we've just found out an hour ago now that, that he's died. He's since died. And, and this is what we were hearing on Wednesday, that he's not going to make it. The damage, the, the injuries were just too critical. Uh, they were to his head. The flatmates had rushed him to the hospital. Uh, and he's not far from that from where it was. It was on Troward Road. Uh, so I, I think everybody's still kind of reeling from this. And the horror of, of the idea that you can even now, Be sleeping in your bed, your own bed, and be murdered uh, senselessly and for no reason. Like they didn't know. They, 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 this guy, the twenty-three-year-old, did not know the attacker. From what we understand now, it was a. A violent invasion, and yeah, and you know, and we're we're finding out a little bit more about the assailant now. Uh, He is now tonight still with police. No charges have been laid as of Thursday night. Expect that to happen, though. Police said they will be coming out Friday afternoon. Uh, So expect some serious charges to be laid then, Um, and and hopefully, you know, we get a motive on this. But it was just, uh, it's just so. So absolutely crazy that this, that, you know, and how many more people, right? Like we've got that, we've, we've seen, you know, we saw Declan Laverty stabbed to death while just working a shift at a bottle shop back in March. We then saw a few weeks later, you know, some people being stabbed on the Esplanade, some people at Casarina being stabbed. Um, and now this with a, a beating in somebody's house, assault and death. Hmm. Um, yeah, look, so look, the, the kids now, the students got together today and um, they said, we're going to hold a rally uh, at the university and we're going to call on the government to do more to keep the community safe. And and some of the things they said, so from what I understand now, they they had a couple hundred people showed up at yeah. this, what they were calling a peaceful demonstration they wanted to join us uh, in solidarity as we call for justice for the victim and demand stronger measures to ensure the safety of international students in our community the organizers had written on facebook about the event we have witnessed an alarming increase in crime rates over the past few months culminating in today's tragic incident As international students and student association members, we want the government to pay attention and take immediate action to address our safety concerns. Of course, Mm -hmm. this is much broader than this, the university and students, this is clear across Darwin, clear across the territory as we know, and Alice, Tennant, and Catherine. Um, Yeah, so this, and you know, they said that they, they wanted this event to send a strong message that violence will not be tolerated and that our community stands together in the face of adversity. United, they said, we can make a difference and work towards a safer, more inclusive environment. Of course, uh, that's now one week. This event, this rally uh, at CDU was was a week before the next anti crime rally. So that's scheduled for May 11th, the Thursday at 2 p.m. at Parliament House. Now that's when uh, the House will be sitting. So remember, last time they locked themselves in the Labour <laughs> government <laughs> and yeah. refused to come out. Well, they're going to be in Parliament House on this day, and uh, yeah, I just I think the whole community is still kind of shaken over this latest one. Uh, so expect you know more people there, but I, I still don't get the you know I, how much it takes for files to say that she needs help here to control this. That they clearly can. We talked about this the other day. I don't think either. Either party has the solution, and, uh, and no. we know that they don't because we would have seen it by now. So we need we need federal involvement on some level. As I was saying, if that if that means even you know when you talk about this money that Al- Albanese came in and threw around in Alice Springs and saying two hundred and fifty million dollars, a quarter of mm-hmm. a billion, but to just give it to these people who don't have the answers, who fritted it away with no KPIs on these programs that it's going to. What we need is a type of uh, administrative intervention. Where and not where you're coming in with the tanks and rounding up people and stuff like this, but where the government needs to have oversight applied. And especially when you're getting into hundreds of millions of dollars, I don't think that anybody's you know, Albanese he said the other day reportedly, and I couldn't get this confirmed that it, that it, it, he, that the money's already flowing, it's going to these programs, these service yep. programs. I don't think anyone has faith that the anti government can operate that properly. And yeah, he's just throwing, you know, more money. At a problem, the you know even this government we're going to see in the budget next week. They seem to think that just throwing money at things will make it go away. But we need other we need other issues here. We need other tangibles. Um, and if the federal government needs to come in and ensure that that happens and it's going to the right places, and they have to bring in the AFP to assist as well, whatever that is, we got to start looking at these options here because this is just completely out of control now. We've got another senseless death on our hands and. Mm. I I just can't make sense of it anymore.
1: In all honesty, Chris, uh, they're out of their depth and there's not a single thing that they've done, not a single thing they've implemented that suggests anything other than that. If the federal government has already handed over the money to the NT government, then that's an issue because... You know, when speaking to Matt Patterson, the Alice Springs mayor, the other day, his comment to me was he's really hopeful that they'll see something come through soon. And Mm. my response to that was, but this is almost five months ago, this money (coughs) was handed over.
0: Or announced, yeah.
2: The
1: the other problem, yeah, sorry, announced, and whether handed over or not, we don't know, but if Albanese has said it's starting to flow, The, the biggest problem as I see it, and again, I'm going off discussions we've had previously, but also looking at other schemes where money was handed out willy nilly. The 250 million dollars, as far as I can tell, was literally plucked out of thin air. I <laughs> yeah. don't know whether it's 250 million, 250 billion, yeah. half a million, 500 million. They don't know. They just plucked this figure out and they went, Oh, that's what it's going to take to fix it now. They appear to have no solutions, uh, no answers, and, you know, as we said on Newsbytes, there's money going to all sorts of organizations who have got no KPIs imposed on them at all. Mm. And so, therefore, we don't even know whether we're getting value for money for the things that are being implemented if they're being implemented.
0: Yeah. Look, I think that's always been the easy way to solve a problem in the nt is say you're going to go get federal money to fix it and you'll get more money and everything will be fine and we've done that for so long now that these problems have escalated they've never been addressed this money gets frittered away um i'm sure some people probably become very wealthy um off of this stuff And you know we don't know where that money goes and and it's not solving anything so like I said, if we've got to call it an administrative intervention, then do it because something's wrong here, something is very wrong in the Northern right. Territory, and we need it fixed.
1: And just touching on that, if there are people making a lot of money out of it, then shame on them because we've got communities that literally are rubbish dumps yeah. and people are, uh, you know, taking place in the urban sprawl because they simply can't be where their community is because the community is, you know, gone to rack and ruin. So yeah. if fat cats are sitting on massive salaries implementing yeah. all these things that aren't happening, then shame on them and shame on the government for not administering it properly.
0: So many failings here, so many failings from so many different agencies too to get us to this place. Again, I got back that we need some sort of oversight, we need some sort of administrative intervention from the feds to Mm
1: -hmm.
0: ensure that that this money spent appropriately. and, you know, and we will, we'll talk about that next, I think pretty soon about what happens with, uh, with anti-government yeah. money and where it goes and how there's no accountability. And yeah, we can mm. keep the, the auditor general busy for years. Um, just trying yeah. to track down all this missing money, but somebody it goes places, it goes, it's going somewhere, you know, the yeah. Chinese aren't Correct. taking it. It's not like <laughs> it's evaporating mm-hmm. either or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, no, yeah, something needs to be done to fix this crime thing because you're not even keeping the community safe anywhere at this point. And, 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 you know, citizens have a right to feel safe in their community and the government has an uh, obligation to provide that safety for citizens. And again, if they can't even do these fundamental, provide these fundamental initiatives of government, then something's got to change and and, you know and Files will be too proud to do that or to know and Kate Warden saying no no we're still working on it I don't know why ABC even quote Kate Warden saying oh, we're working on this like no not anymore this is done we're done with this nonsense it's
1: a real insult to hear that now you know we're working on it no no more working on it start making things happen start doing something like try and fail is fine to try Mm -hmm. something and to fail is a lot better than sitting in your office working on it, in quote
0: moments. Yeah, yeah. While, while people are getting bludgeoned to death in their bed. Innocent people for no reason. And it's just crazy. On that,
1: you know, that that to me is next level. Um Yes, we've heard about people breaking into houses and doing things to people, you know, while they're sleeping in the past. But, yeah. you know, when, when the situation occurred at the airport uh, tavern last month or whenever it was, and Obviously, everybody was so shocked by that. There's an element of that that is, I won't say predictable, but there's an element to it where you say, well, you can see how that could happen, you know? But when someone's asleep in their bed, not doing anything to anybody in the world, and if these two people are completely unknown to each other, then... You know, to describe it as a crime crisis is an um, you know, know is too. underestimating what it is. I'm a
0: poor kid to have his head bashed in. I mean, he just he just got here a couple months ago too from Bangladesh. Yeah. He was studying at university. Um, at the rally, they spoke about him. Those who knew him saying what a great, you know, bright, happy kid he was. Yeah. 20, 23 yeah. year old he was was a kid, yeah. but yeah. you know, um, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense.
1: It doesn't and uh, yeah, for the the crime rally on the 11th, I'll be really interested to see the numbers because, you know, it's fair to say the numbers between the first and second rallies were vastly different Um, and unfortunately, the longer the sort of time between these things happening, uh, people do uh, forget and get on with life and what have you, but for this to happen so soon after, I'd be expecting a really big turnout on the 11th.
0: I think I, I think you're right. Yeah, and um, look, I, I think that the sentiment's always there too, even if they don't get the actual number of feet out of these things. I'm pretty sure that the rest of the territory is not saying, "Oh, I'm not attending," because Labor's done such a terrific job fixing the problem. Here. Yeah, like the problems yeah, it's are there. A show
1: but, of support.
0: <laughs> yeah, but when it when it yeah when it hits home like that, that this could happen to anybody in their own bed. Um, that's got to get people out there and that's got to get the government doing something.
1: Absolutely. Look, let's uh, move on to the next story now, Chris, because uh, you did allude to the fact we're going to be talking about government spending. And this is a story that uh, when I first read it, I was really interested to sort of go through it and it, it then turned into a series of things for various reasons. The MT business daddy, as you've referred to him, Sean Drapsh handed out at least $25 million in grants during COVID with no acquittals. Now, please explain this to me. I've got to say, if you haven't seen the story, get on to the NT Independent because the, the picture that accompanies this story is, is priceless.
0: Oh, yeah. We've got we've got the business daddy, Sean Drabshaw done up here in a red silk uh, robe, House coat with uh, a little skipper hat on there because he's a playboy. You know, he's It was a playboy. playboy
1: mansion-esque, wasn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah, well, this is him in the grotto when he's not handing no cash to people. Uh, yeah, look in this business daddy thing. I think that's going to stick. What do you think? I think like people have already gone to meetings with him since this came out on Monday and, uh, and called him business daddy. You know that. Oh, have they? Oh, oh, I'm goodness. sure of it. Like, yeah. You know, there's a new daddy in town, a business daddy. <laughs> Wait, is that a thing? I wonder if that's a thing. I don't know. Maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's a it's a thing. I don't know.
1: It may become a thing now.
0: Yeah, well, we're calling him the business daddy uh, because, and this is why, he was the point person, the main man for the previous counter government during those crazy days in 2020 um, when the dread COVID virus was knocking on our door and public health restrictions were threatening to put people out of work. This is when the government... <laughs> Like you know, just think back to those days and uh, how crazy it all was, and everybody was fearing for their jobs and, and money and food, and that was just all going to work. And um, so the government, uh, who were way down in the polls then. Remember, like the last poll that we ever saw, what Gunner was ahead of the 2020 election, and he was down in like Adam Giles territory, like he just hated, loathed, like net negative. He was 30. really trying at that point. Yeah. Oh God, he was bad, and um. And he only got worse, I think. But anyway, the uh, what happened was they then got together and they said, "All right, we got this stuff. Uh, we got these problems. Uh, how do we fix it? Well, we fix it like we solve all of our problems with money. Where do we get the money? It doesn't matter. It's COVID. We'll just borrow it more. We'll just say, you know, what's another two hundred million dollars? Yes, they were saying at the time. Not so cheap anymore, but two hundred million. I think there was another hundred million that they." He kind of gave out an offset of collection. So it's about $300 million. Anyway, one of the big (laughs) programs in all of this was a $50 million program called the Small Business Survival Fund. Now, this was to keep small businesses uh, functioning during the height of those pandemic restrictions in 2020. Uh, It was set up for... It was supposed to be like businesses with less than 20 employees... Uh, And it would provide the money for, quote, unavoidable fixed costs, expanding online services and delivery and to upgrade premises or upskilling staff to, quote, take advantage of the rebounding economy when the COVID crisis is over, which is nonsense, really. But it went to uh, like it, it started that it was going to be for. Um, I'm just trying to find what these businesses were, how they phrased it. Uh, I know it was hospitality, was a lot in there, tourism. <clears> I'll, tell you, it,
1: I'll tell you what industry was it, in there that really shocked the hell out of me, Chris. Uh, My real that? estate brethren oh, were yeah. um, obviously very much down in the dumps before that happened because there was a, a lot of real estate bucks being thrown out the door.
0: Yeah, well, and that's it. And this was like supposed to like do for. for hospitality tourism businesses and help them you know even put in new like if they had to renovate things to for social distancing and so it really was mm-hmm. set up for that and then it just became whatever Sean Draps wanted it to be so there's 50 million dollars and they said okay here's how it's going to go Dra- you know the, the people will have to apply for it small business you got to have under 20 people that, that was the definition of small businesses the anti-government's definition that's what it was uh, you apply for that, and you had to prove something like thirty percent down or something of of yeah, your revenue. Reduction. Like it was, yeah, it was yeah. it was pretty high, and um,
1: which is pretty easy to prove because basically business stopped to a walk for a couple of months.
0: Yeah, look, some yeah, some did, some didn't, but and some people were rejected, and this is where we got an issue here. But here's what happened. So. Small Business Survival Fund received about, well, we we know 1,731 applications in the two months that it was open in 2020. 1,311 applications were approved. Now, an Auditor General's report found that 990 of those applications uh, did not fall within the parameters of funding went those ones that didn't fall within the parameters of funding went to drabs for his quote unquote consideration. Of those he approved seven hundred and nine and knocked back two hundred and eighty one. So basically what this was was if they if they were rejected by the department for not meeting Whatever criteria were there, uh, the chief executive of the Department of Business at the time, um, he's now, whatever they call it, trade industry, tourism, tourism industry and trade. Uh, Anyway, they let him decide who gets money, even after they reject it. So you don't meet the parameters of a program. Well, that should probably be the end of the road for you, because you're clearly either doing all right or whatever. Um, Anyway, for whatever reason, they let Sean Drapsh at his discretion decide who would get money then and who wouldn't and so this is what this was now there's another story that has the list of the uh that I think we ran out on the Saturday or the Sunday last week, that has who the department approved. And then yeah. you can kind of look at this as to who Sean Drapsch approved. And we're not suggesting that any of these companies did anything wrong here. They applied no. for money that was available. They were rejected by the department for one reason or another. But then Drapsch came in and overrode the department and gave them the money. And you'll see like a lot of them on here. um a considerable amount of money. I think we're looking at 157,000 was the top one, uh, and a lot of 150, 140. Um, lots of money, lots and lots of money being given out. And this lots, was just the smallest by
1: those big ones, Chris.
0: Yeah, like I, I, I thought that it was only supposed to be about fifty thousand or something too. Like it wasn't supposed yeah. to cover the actual like wages and things like that. But it just seemed to expand. Um, so they got through this fifty million pretty quick. I think they got up to, I think when we calculated 46 or something, they might have saved some, but there was also, the Auditor General looked at this and found that there were two million, there was $2 million set aside um, for Drapch to award at his discretion for any businesses that were not eligible. So he could then, he just had his bonus money too. He could have approved them when they were rejected and then he could just give it to whoever he wanted as well. How
1: big was the spade, Chris? (laughs) <laughs> How big was the shovel that they were just shoveling the money out the door?
0: It was unbelievable at that time. And, you know, he was involved in so much stuff here. And we remember him, I think, best from the, the Turf Club grandstand stuff. And this is all just a fact, but this is the guy who was giving the report, uh, the submission that the Turf Club had put in for, for the $12 million grandstand, which the ICAC found was laughable. Uh, and he just passed it on to Jody Ryan and then passed it on to cabinet, and all of a sudden $12 bucks is done within a couple of hours. Um, and, you know, he was found to have engaged in the duplicitous process at the time, but nothing was ever done about his conduct in that whole matter. But anyway, you know. But they,
1: but, didn't they sort that out in the end because he then got to review himself?
0: <laughs> yes, that's absolutely true. Yeah, thanks for reminding me of that one. Yeah, that is true until the ICAC came in like that. And he said, hey, everything's fine. It looks good. But then Gunner, so Gunner says, Gunner says, remember Gunner said, well, it was, he was only in the job for a year at this point. He's a good yeah. guy. Come on. Rookie. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let him go on this one because, you know, he didn't understand how this corruption deal worked here in the NT. So anyway, Gunner then, but he does say like, you know, he, oh, remember he said he was uh, given a, a stern talking to or something and had to improve himself. But then Gunner goes ahead and says, well, here's 50 million bucks. Do whatever the hell you want with it, pal. Um, make sure you give it to as many people as possible, though, because we do have an election coming up mm-hmm. soon. And I am very unpopular. And, you know, like we had a labor insider at the time of the election because we're still trying to wrap our head. OK, it was COVID. People were uncertain. Um, they just wanted that certainty of, of continuity of government and nothing changing too big. Was that why yeah. labor won? But I was talking to a labor guy, and he said at the time, I, I still remember this, that, well, look, everyone's happy. Everyone's got money in their pocket. Everyone's happy. And they were. And we weren't dying That's of COVID. True. Nobody here yeah. was dying of COVID. And we were with everybody had money. So um, there had been so no Labour lockdowns at that
1: point either, had they? Uh, Not real ones?
0: No, 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 no. It hasn't come here yet. Like it was just you yeah. know that general one that they did. I think straight away. Yeah. Um, now and so all of that would have gone away too, I guess. And that was just oh well, crazy times. And that's it. We're just supposed to forget about that whole period of two years of all of our lives <laughs> where things were nuts. Um, but here the the auditor general had gone and looked at this stuff. So we had to file an FOI to get the these. Um, lists of businesses that were giving this money. And that's fine. And it cost us a few hundred bucks. It might even cost up to 700 bucks. So we wanted to get this out. We got it back last year, but we just said other things. So we want to get this out now. One of the things that we did a story about last year was that the, uh, the Auditor General, the only one who's watching this stuff, she does a report and she raises some very serious concerns about all of this, and uh, including that i think just that well i mean she just points out that she doesn't make any uh conclusions or damning findings of the fact that this one public servant is given this much money to do with as he pleases to hand out to people but she does raise issues that uh uh she said there were no requirements to declare actual expenditure or to provide quotes or invoices for the money going out all right So they were told it could only be used for these things, but then they were just given the money and they never did anything. They never checked. No quotes or invoices, no declaration of actual expenditure, no acquittals. As a result of actual spending not being acquitted, the Auditor General said, the value of the approved works and estimated economic impact of the initiative is unknown. So get back to your KPIs. They have no idea if this was needed, if it actually accomplished anything. But it got money out the door ahead of an election. That's what I yeah. keep coming back to here. You look at the timing of this. Um, you know, we did go to drabs, of course. We'll always <laughs> give these jokers a chance to respond. Of course, he chose not to. Uh, he was too busy on the yacht listening he did, to. He
1: did send you a picture of using the <laughs> Yeah,
0: that's right. <laughs> <laughs> He was too busy getting down at uh, the turf club <laughs> bar. What is it called? Silks, silks. silks. He was silks, too busy yeah. rooftop dancing I mean, silks. At silks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's a prolific dancer around town, and I'm sure anyone who's seen him out on the piss will attest to that. That he he, I have gets, he doesn't
1: some, yeah footage. I think yeah yeah, I
0: mean, yeah. like uh, he doesn't even care. He doesn't even care that. People know who he is. And hey,
1: Chris, he's the business daddy. You know, you know the expression, "Dance like no one's watching."
0: <laughs> Dance like you're the business daddy. <laughs> That's what he's doing at all of our expense. But anyway,
1: I do have a serious um, question for you, Chris. Does yeah. does Mister Mister um, Mr. Big Daddy have any uh, business daddy? Like, sorry, Mister Business Big Daddy, have <laughs> any? Business. experience in business like outside of the public service like does he did he have any business knowledge that you're aware of
0: well yeah i remember he well he uh lobbied for santos which he may or may not still be doing still have been doing when he took the job here in the business department right. there was right. some lapse there layover of crossover of where who he was working for when he first showed up here of uh, right. course he might remember best to uh uh palajay's former partner
1: um, ah, right.
0: They had a little Pomeranian or something. There's some photo. He was wearing a little cardigan and uh, had a Pomeranian and happy family pics. Anyway, he shows up that was here. before the silks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he shows up here, screws up that whole grandstand thing. Nothing happens. They give him then millions and millions, to just disperse however he sees fit. And mm. uh, again, nothing's done. He's still in the job. He's still the business daddy. And uh, and there we are. But it, look, it's important. And we, uh, we've we said why we do the NT independent and it's to expose this kind of stuff. It's to report on it, even sometimes when it costs us a lot and it takes a while to go through mm. and put everything together. Um, and by the way, our layout guy, I do encourage people who haven't seen it, go see it because it's like almost an interactive map. You can actually search for companies, and uh, it's very easy to navigate through. You can flip pages. It's really quite impressive what he's it done cool. It was Yeah, very cool. So, um, yeah. So we've always committed to exposing that and showing that, showing where your money's going, where taxpayer money's going, and why. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so this is something the public needed to know about. We've had tremendous response. I mean, every day we're getting more thousands of views on this. So it has been wildly popular. And, yeah, yeah. we're just glad we can provide that oversight because, yeah, as we know, uh, other bodies won't do that. We know the Auditor General, look, and, and God bless her because she, she does this stuff. She puts in the report, and I think we had one of the, in one of the stories, it was tabled in in June and completely ignored. By yeah. the government and the opposition. The opposition doesn't right. even come out and use the Auditor General's report to go after the government. No. Because I guess they figure, well, we'll be in there sometime but, too. we we'll have to be, a be,
1: be careful bit. for future reasons. <laughs> yeah, because
0: I'm going to mark it down now. The first time they come out and use the Auditor General's report. But uh, but yeah, it's so crucial, the, the, the work that she does. And so when we can kind of spotlight that as well, and then just let Territorians know what's going on, we'll, we'll always be yeah. doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. fair enough. Well, look, I encourage you to read it as well if you haven't had a look at it. It's fascinating to see who got what, for starters. And and there's no suggestion um, that the businesses that receive money have done anything wrong, as you say. The, the fact that they weren't really... Um, put to any sort of major test is is more of an indictment on where it came from than those that received it. But it is it yeah, is absolutely. seeing what people you know what what businesses I should say received during that time.
0: It's like it's like reporting the financials or something. And didn't Hunter Thompson have some line about that? The only unbiased journalism is in the stocks page. Like this is it here? Like we can just show you where the money went. We're not making any yeah, yeah. comment on that yeah. except for the fact that they had a war chest of money that ahead of a campaign, but the list itself is just, here's where the money went. That's just a fact. These are all yeah. facts. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. Yep. I'm actually, su- uh, the one thing I was surprised by was the fact that you got the list.
0: It took a long time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: And then they tried to qualify it and have excuses. And it's just like, yeah, just give us a goddamn list shut
1: up. And you did mention in the story, as you did just before, that it, it uh, you received it last year, but it's taken you a while to get to it. The funny thing is that when I read that line, I was like, well, it makes no difference at all because it's still just as relevant to read it today.
0: Especially with a budget coming up
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> next correct. week, and we're going to
0: see time. where the spending priorities are. Yeah. And uh, also, is there a way that they get their grubby little hands on some cash ahead of the next election and pull us stunt mm-hmm. like this again? So important to remember mm-hmm. this stuff. Yeah.
1: Yes, well, talking of spending, um, let's move on to the next story now, Chris. And uh, it seems that the former police commissioner and the uh, soon-to-be former chief minister uh, reached a confidential deal to announce the former chief commissioner. No, not chief commissioner, police commissioners. Now retirement.
0: Yeah, retired. That was it. Sunday morning, and that was medically
1: retired either.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, but. So, what well, we don't know. We don't oh, know the details around we this, right? Nothing. Because, yeah, there, there's, <laughs> we know nothing. There is, uh, there are a couple of reasons um, why, I think there's only one, well, two reasons why a police commissioner can retire and that his resignation has to be accepted by the administrator. One, uh, that he's over 55, but if he's not, and Chalker apparently wasn't, which I was telling you, I was surprised that, and uh, I think a lot of mm. people were surprised. Wait, this guy's not even 55 yet? My like, good God it's the most hard done by looking 48 year old I've ever seen. (laughs) I think he's like 53, but anyway, uh, look, he's just had a hard time, I guess. And he brought it on himself. But anyway, the, uh, the other reason is that, uh, for an incapacity, She was asked about that when she finally came out files to explain this. It was uh, under special circumstances with the other reason. She was asked to explain if there was an incapacity that was accepted for Chalker retiring from the role. She said that criteria has been met in this situation, and I won't be providing further comment. uh, She made some other comments, but we'll get into that later. the The thing, the main takeaway from this was that when we saw it on Sunday morning, uh, the statement from the chief minister uh, saying that basically a settlement was done. Uh, It's going to be undisclosed. It's a private settlement between the parties. And, uh, And then there was a quote, and then bizarrely there was a quote from Chalker in a statement from the chief minister, but anyway, I've never seen that before. But also if you read it, Pete, and a lot of people did, and they said, yep. ooh, that, this wasn't written by anybody in government at all, this appears to have been written by Chalker's lawyers. Uh, mm-hmm. It was very glowing. Uh, did not discuss any of the adversity, any of the turmoil, any of the issues that led to Files asking for his resignation back on March 31st. Uh, no mention of that. Just what a great distinguished career he had. Uh, he was on all these great uh, national boards, which they failed to name. Said that he had won the bravery medal, which I'm, I don't think it's it's actually called that. It's called something else. Anyway, there were just things in here that you could tell the Chocker side would have wanted said, and then he was allowed to give his statement where he thanked his uh, his his uh, staff, I guess, his colleagues. He said, "Wish them very best in the, the, the future." Uh, that he. Um, yeah, that it was a tremendous priv- privilege to have worked amongst the brave, hardworking women and men of the NT Police Force, Fire and Rescue Service and Emergency Services, and an honor to have led them as they have tirelessly devoted their lives to making the territory a better place. Of course, yeah, that that's not a feeling shared. By many uh, of the rank and file, who let's not forget, and they did in the statement that eighty percent of those surveyed wanted him gone last year had no confidence in him. The government sat on all these things, and we had the other issues come up during the inquest, and uh, and the Rolf matter, which I think he'll probably best be remembered for and tied into was the controversy there. Uh, but a lot of the a lot of the other stuff were problems that he came into were. Um, his own making in a lot of ways they're part of what he called his own reforms and uh well look we'll get into more of that at a different time i think about his legacy uh but those reforms uh, led to the highest attrition rate we've ever seen in the anti-police you had 10 percent leaving annually that's like unheard of like i think wa was concerned they were at six And they were saying, we got to fix this like something's wrong. We were over 10% attrition rate. And it was because of him and nobody was doing anything about it. Um, uh, A lot of that was the mental health and well-being stuff as well that he failed to implement. And that really upset a lot of rank and file members. This was all in surveys that were done. This all led to the low morale uh, during Mm -hmm. his time. And so... You know anyway we'll, we'll we'll get into his legacy another time but all of that to say that you know it kind of made sense when files although she botched it terribly when she went to him and said just resign in here then we found out were four reasons one <laughs> of them was incorrect we're told that it was uh, an allegation that he if they called it allegations. She called it a reason, I think. <laughs> um, uh, one that he wanted he, he wanted the ADF, the defense force, to come into Alice Springs, and his lawyer said that's not true. You probably meant the AFP, federal police, but even that, mm. we're, we're gonna fight that. That didn't that isn't what yeah. happened, and you got that completely wrong. Like you can't give somebody a letter like that and screw it up. Like this whole thing has backfired and files in Files' face so badly. But what we know now is that everything, all of that, the other three issues will all be kept quiet. We'll never know and we'll never know what the payout was for this um, because she said at the end of this uh, statement uh, what was it about how um, also they made no, it just did not even talk about the future of the anti-police force. It was all just about them and Chalker and this deal where you would think that you might want to provide a little certainty for the rank-and-file police officers Mm -hmm. and say, okay, Murphy's still in, but we're going to do a a nationwide search for a new commissioner. That was actually left to Murphy, the acting commissioner who said, yes, everybody, stay calm. I'm going to be in this. You can be assured. um, We'll recruit for a new commissioner and CEO shortly. It's been tumultuous, um, but yeah, Territorians can also be assured that the women and men of the police force remain committed to their duties. Uh, Yeah, trying to find here, though, I mean, that the way that they kind of hid this and just said, yeah, we're not, we're not going to reveal it. Uh, it was a retirement. His retirement's been accepted. Uh, he's had these lawyers. Anyway, the opposition, of course, they came out. I think they called it a secret sacking scandal before. Yeah, um, Leah Fnockero comes out and says that she's calling, that she believes files that, quote, use taxpayer money to prevent her from appearing in court. After failing to properly sack Chalker, while the territory is in a police and crime crisis, Territorians are rightly outraged over the public display of incompetence. Uh, Leah said in a statement, another cover-up for another mess made by Natasha Files. This whole process has been mismanaged, and yet again, the taxpayer will fit, foot the bill. Files needs to front up to taxpayers and tell them how much she paid to get out of appearing in court and revealing the true details of her bungle.
1: Well, Chris, a couple of things. I think it's rich of the opposition to come out and try and be strong in this situation when they themselves hadn't called for change, <laughs> when they were given a keyed-up golf ball to whack and they chose yep. not to for whatever reason. As as far as the um, spending of taxpayers' dollars in this situation is concerned, although As uh, Natasha said, she did it very respectfully. Um, I just still can't understand, and I guess we'll never know because the thing being confidential now, I just still can't understand why there was an assumption that given what you said, that the police commissioner was widely unpopular, which the police union told us of, they gave us the results of the... A survey why was the police commissioner guaranteed another four years and if yeah. if he wasn't then why didn't they just give the notice period when it was appropriate in may and everybody walk away
0: yeah that's it she did something wrong she screwed this up badly mm. and and then we got into this yeah where where she gave where Chalker was then able to get the lawyers in and do what he did um yeah, I, I honestly, I there's no explanation been provided for that. And then, you know, the defamation lawyer comes in and they're playing their role here. But this was leaked to the media. We get yeah. back to who exactly did that. I think it's pretty clear with somebody in labor. Um, and right. so, you know, would things have gone differently if that hadn't have come out? Um, because would
1: it, be, would it be someone in labor who's sort of outside of the inner sanctum?
0: Well, no, it'd have to be somebody now it would have to be somebody in cabinet.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Who would've well, I mean, I guess unless somebody in cabinet told somebody else and then that person and then that's and <laughs> stuff and you never know. But uh yeah, and then you gotta think if it was leaked from somebody in cabinet for what reason and what purpose and was it to damage files yeah, because yeah. this has been screwed up so bad. They look files and I guess she's addressing the concerns that territorians rightly have when she said in that statement that or if she didn't say in the statement she came out in a press conference and she said that she had been, as she said, very respectful to taxpayers' dollars during negotiations, but then insisted that, quote, it has been settled at arm's length for myself. Because <laughs> yeah. Territorians were, as I brought up before, like, why is this woman got taxpayer money in negotiating with the police commissioner to hide yeah. things that he might have on her? This is not, this is like the most corrupt appearing <laughs> thing. Um, and I'm not saying that that, that happened, but it does look really bad. So she's come out and said, no, it was all set at arm's length for myself. And then she says, although I have been involved in terms of the financial matters, they've been at arm's length for myself as chief minister. So, you know, we can make sure that we're meeting government guidelines around those types of matters. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if she's um, appeased anybody with that. And the fact that she just won't tell, it's just still, it just leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth here. And, and mm-hmm. it, you know, I think a lot of people speaking to The cops um, have very happy with this outcome. I think that's the main takeaway from that day was that look, Chalker's gone. Finally, Um, the the the, they can kind of heal, if you will, and that's what a lot of yeah have like. Okay, let's get this together. Here, he's gone. Let's just get together, move on. We need these things done. We need a new commissioner to do it. From what my understanding is, Murphy's already. making some changes now and reversing yeah. some things that chocker had done um i think there's a lot of, of confidence in, in in murphy right now not to say that everybody thinks he should stay but i don't think anybody has a real issue with him being the acting commissioner right now uh so that's going to be interesting <laughs> exactly who they bring in for that um but it, yeah i think that was the big thing and then we, we get into kind of second-guessing the Chief Minister here and, and demanding to know why she did screw this up so badly and how much it did cost us.
1: Mm. Well, Chris, I've got some advice um, to who's ever involved in the process of replacing the police commissioner. Now, of course, we know what happened at the start of this whole uh, situation with regards to the recruitment of the previous police commissioner. and. Um, You know, just just so that they don't get left behind, I think that the NT government should one-up the AFL, who spent $1 million on a worldwide recruitment process for the new CEO, Mm -hmm. only to announce that it was the second in charge who's been there for 23 <laughs> years anyway. right? So
0: That's a total that, NT thing to do. there was a
1: challenge, Northern Territory government. <laughs> yeah. Get yourself well, a high-price recruiter and give it to Murphy.
0: Well, you're getting into, into some stuff there, right? Like NGS Global, remember them? Yes. who did the barrilero appointment, but they also yes. did this one, and there was an ICAC investigation into it because the scores were altered to bring this global. They needed a global recruitment firm. To yeah. come in to headhunt for the police commissioner role, who they ended up giving to the guy who was screwing up in the housing department, the chief executive yeah. there, a guy named Jamie Chalker. Why did they need that company and why did they alter their scores? How much did that cost? We don't know. We still don't know. So we'll see yeah. how this one goes. But, um, yeah, you know, like I, I got into before, it's the local It's the local people are all gone, right? Jody Ryan won't be sitting on that next panel then picks the next commissioner and she was on this one who picked her friend Mm. she went to school with um yeah so there's a lot of changes and um yeah we'll be looking into that kind of stuff too i think there still needs to be a story on how these people like chalker um and jody ryan and gunner and kirkman and uh, a whole bunch of others but locals who grew up here and we're put in these most powerful roles who they said they were going to be with us for a long time within the last 12 months they're all gone and you can't tell me that's a coincidence and you can't tell me that there isn't something fundamentally wrong with the nt when we lose all of these high positions in the public service very quickly
1: are these things that you know but cannot prove
0: I can prove most of it and I will be, we'll be running something soon, which is kind of where are they now? Here's everybody it. who's lost their, or are no longer in their roles and over the past 12 months. And it's pretty serious. There's people who, who've worked their entire lives to get to this pinnacle and then completely lose it within mm-hmm. not very long time. And now where are they now? Well, we'll find out.
1: I love those challenges, Chris. I'm glad you accept it with both hands. But I wasn't wasn't uh, bringing that up in relation to the previous recruitment agency per se. But I just yeah, I thought but... as soon as I heard that story from the AFL, I thought, oh, NT government would love to hear that. That's exactly the sort of thing they do. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yep. <laughs> All right. Look, let's move on to the next story. Um, which I mean, gee, this one raised some eyebrows as well. Um, In relation to the damage to the Howard Springs workers' camp, as I know you like to call it, Chris, (laughs) uh, one of the ministers uh, was quoted, Kate Warden, this week as saying, I absolutely can 100% say that we have all been completely honest, end quote.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah you know that somebody's being honest when they have to uh qualify with that absolutely one hundred percent completely honest <laughs> instead of just we've been honest yeah. um yeah, so that's a little bit of an oversell there now, of course, nobody believes anything they say anymore when it comes to when we talk about credibility when it comes to um to that issue of the Howard Springs facility and the damage there, because I think you, you referenced it too. And I think the story does that uh, action for Alice had a video last Friday taken inside the facility by an unidentified person. Uh, that video shows broken windows, massive amount of broken windows and other damage. Uh, the person f- filming it, states he counted at least 200 broken windows, uh, You know, but all of these conflicting stories kept happening. Um, That's
1: one hell of a domestic violence incident for someone to break that many windows.
0: Yeah, uh, well, either that or just normal wear and tear. (laughs) Of course. Take your choice here.
1: Combusting windows, of course
0: of Files' excuses that uh, i really, I've seen the wear and tears really taken off on social media, like no matter what Hasn't the, it? the no crime what is, it is, it's just yeah. wear and tear. So like, but that's the stuff, right? Like politicians do not want that because that means she is a punchline. You do not get your integrity and credibility back when you're being laughed at like that and something you said is being used in that way and then it's gotten that kind of viral and everybody's yeah. talking about it. You've screwed up royally and so she has, but they want to. Um, they want us to know that they're all that they've all been completely honest. Um, mm. uh, yeah. So uh, it's just it's just unbelievable. The com- the conflicting stories continue, and we we wonder about what's going on there, right, in the party room in cabinet. Are they looking at getting rid of files? I mean, surely after this bungle with the commissioner and the fact, mm. remember that like the. She had to come out and apologize. I don't know if about, we talked about that on the news, but she yeah. had to come out and apologize to Chalker after she said something about how much Well, she just said he was entitled to whatever and there were financial considerations. Yeah. And then it appears his lawyers made her come out and apologize publicly, which is, as we were saying, is the only yeah. time she's ever apologized for anything. And so I mean, now she can do it. Well, we know, and we know that it takes lawyers now. So I would encourage Territorians, get a class action going. And that's the only way you're going to get an apology from Natasha Files. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but really, that undermines her credibility very badly there, too. And I think I pointed out in the News Bites, we don't know how far that actually goes, right? Like, at what point is, is Chalker going to object to something else? And call her up and say, I want you to go back and apologize about that, about the crime something. Yeah. She's not showing strong leadership there at all. And then we get into these people who are who who seem to be undermining her. Her own ministers, her own deputy was the first one to come out and say, Oh yeah, yeah, there's been damage and those people be held accountable, whatever she said about Howard Springs. (laughs) But it 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 was complete contradiction. And then Yeah. And then Warden comes out. Um On the Friday before last and said that the, two days after Madison had contradicted Files's no damage story, and a day before Files doubled down again to say there was no damage, she comes out and says she knew about it there's damage, but then the other day this was last week she said um that uh, that that she that files actually knew before her ah now, this is unusual and this is like completely undisciplined unless it's done purposely. They would not let this. there's no reason for Kate Warden to make that comment. It yeah. really puts files in a bad position because it makes it look like she was lying even more. Now, how is it that Kate Warden, um, comes out and says there's damages and upfront and is upfront with people? Whereas the chief minister, if she knew before her, um, had still hadn't come out to clarify. Now, why she didn't come out to fix the problem, I don't get it. She waited until the Monday when she finally admitted it and then tried to qualify it first with that it was one domestic violence incident. And then later in the day that that grew to a couple of domestic violence incidents. But she didn't own up to the mistake. She couldn't apologize for that one. Why we go back to this public apology to chalk but she's not apologized to territorians for misleading them and that's all you can call it on this. It doesn't even make sense why she's lying about that, which we've we've talked about for it the last makes two nice weeks.
2: Yeah. It's a
0: scandal she she brought to herself. The wear and tear has come out of that. That's something that's gonna stick with her forever. And that's it was she's gone. completely unnecessary. She just yeah. had to had to be upfront with people and they would have respected that a lot more than this. And so yeah. this whole story you know, yeah, and the trio of truth, um, <laughs> you know, this is just, uh, yeah, we get different advice at different times. She said, I became aware of the damage actually even later than the chief minister. There's no reason for that, to, for her to say that unless something's going on and they're undermining, right? <laughs> and they, they're yeah. trying to, something's going on there in the cabinet and caucus, Um it's not a matter that we at any given time, this is from Warden. it's not a matter that we at any given time that any of us is making things up. We're absolutely being completely honest. They get different advice. I, something's not right there. Something's not right. No,
1: there's, there's a massive problem with the statement. and And the problem, as I see it, is this. Let's take the quote at face value. I absolutely can 100% say that we have all been completely honest. Okay, so let's assume that's right. So that means you've got three ministers in three different departments who've yeah. got three different bits of advice. So yeah. if that's the case, shame on them for not knowing, and worse still, shame on their advisors for not advising each other on what was going on, if if, if that's the actual case. As far as the chief minister is concerned, she, she had to have lied because when she came out with the statement about domestic violence, the, the game was shot at that point. Because right. you know, two days later, we had the video come out with two hundred broken windows. Right,
0: and remember, just before that, Pete, the other thing that I was just going to interrupt and stick in there was the tender—the thirty thousand yes, dollar tender correct. to assess damage. Thirty thousand to assess damage. Yeah, yeah, right. So all of this was building, but the fact is that the three ministers. It was not explained how neither none of them could have known about that tender, why it was rushed through, which specifically referenced the damage done by flood evacuees. We know that. Um, uh, so some people have noticed this. Have you now, checked
1: with the big daddy of business? <laughs> yeah,
0: the business daddy? Yeah. <laughs> no, we haven't. We will. Um, look, so, yeah, other people have been commenting on this, right? This whole just debacle at Howard Springs now. Now, um, Darren Clark. The, the action for Alice, and he, and he said this, he said, if Natasha Files' staff gave her the wrong information about Howard Springs, they misled the chief minister and the public, they must go today before a knockoff, 4.21 p.m., he wrote. If the chief minister gave the public the wrong information and misled the public, she must go as well. Friday Arvo would work well, give the new chief a fresh start Monday morning. <laughs>
1: that's, a, that's exactly right. The, yeah. You said it, something doesn't add up, and. Again, I'll go back to Kate Warden and say, well, if she's telling the truth and it and everybody one hundred percent have been completely honest, then yeah. someone's not done their job within that within those three departments, yeah. something SAS has happened.
0: yes yeah, right and and yeah, so we know that too, but then I'm saying underneath it all is there seems to be this undermining being done purposefully for political reasons that
1: it feels that way
0: yeah that she's going to be gone i Which think is
1: why i asked you the question before about where that information was leaked from because if it's come from cabinet that also has well a smell that's of, yeah
0: look that's what we we think um yeah that's what we think and and i i can't imagine i think somebody was talking about that i don't know if they're doing it right now. If right now be the right time, if you wouldn't just wait a little bit because you could pin a lot of this stuff on Files. Remember, Files wanted to pin the whole crime crisis on Chalker, but she screwed that up so bad that she can't now. Mm-hmm. But it's very easy for the Labor Party to kind of wrap Files up in all of this and blame her for everything that's gone wrong. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. But I and I don't think I honestly don't think she'd be leading them to the next election next year. I think it'll be done before that. And I think that it probably has to be done um, because she's really not done a good job here. And like I said, she's the laughingstock now and she doesn't get her credibility back. There's no way. Like Once that happens, you're you're past the point. Where people yep. aren't respecting you anymore. And she did it to herself, though. That's the whole thing, is that she just was not upfront and honest. She's getting people to secretly change words on websites, getting government people yep. like that kind of like who, who deleting
1: social media posts as well.
0: Yeah, that's it's not good, right? So I think that's going to happen. I don't know when that's going to happen when we're looking at a new leader or who yep. that's even going to be because I think we know that um, uh, Madison. As we've said, and this is factually correct, screwed up every single portfolio she's touched. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen. They wouldn't also they wouldn't roll files before the budget next week. so I think it'll happen, but it'll happen it'll happen later on down the road here, but I don't think she's making it to the election as the leader,
1: yeah, yeah, well it'll it'll be an interesting time it it the thing that seems to be the case now is. Now that the left hand's out of step with the right hand on so many issues, it feels like it's only a matter of time because, as you've always said, they've been able to maintain this one message up until recently mm-hmm. and it it seems like the wheels are coming off. The other thing I would say is if if you want to um, you know, spend 10 to 15 minutes, I would highly encourage you, uh, to get on to the Chief Minister's Facebook page. And I said it last week, and I'll say it again this week, I've never seen um, a politician or, you know, or even a, a high-profile person who y- you'll struggle to find a positive comment on any of her posts. And... <laughs> Why they st- why they still sit there half the time? I don't know because it just makes it look ridiculous. She puts up a post, and then ninety nine percent of the comments call for her to quit or tell <laughs> her she's a liar. Well, then you will that's see the odd wear and tear joke in there.
0: That's not a that's not a good sign. It really isn't. If it's that bad, even Gunner had people defending him.
1: Yeah, I don't well,
0: know if he was paying them or what, but <laughs> people defended Gunner.
1: And I'm not just talking about one or two posts. I think I told you, like, it came across my feed uh, a week or two ago, and then I just got caught up in reading. Probably in the end, I looked at a dozen posts, and every single one of them was the same. 99% yeah. was hatred.
0: It's not good. That's not a good no. uh, barometer yeah. of public opinion. Um, and this and this kind of close up to an election. That's what I'm saying. I don't think in the next little bit, but I think before the end of the year. Yeah. Um, yeah, should we be okay, gone. Cool. Someone
1: else will be in. Yeah. Okay. I'll note that down for um, future reference. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Prognosticating again. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, speaking of which, um, I'm not taking credit for this, but this is something that uh, I did mention after the third uh, by-election defeat for the CLP. And then I see an article <laughs> pop up on the NT Independent.
0: <laughs> yeah, you were our source on that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> From one strong leader to another. The yeah. CLP branches are moving in a confidence motion now against the opposition leader, Leah Finocchiara, according to sources.
0: Yeah, look, uh, expect this to get up as well, too. And that's something else I'll say. So you get back to me after June, uh, early June. Are going
1: in with fresh leaders?
0: <laughs> well, well, I don't think she's going to go at first anyway, but they have a plan, and right. their plan is flawed, I think. Uh, so this is the rank and file. Of the party, so the party members in some powerful branches there, and that being, namely, right now Alice Springs and the Litchfield kind of rural branch here. So um, they are looking at bringing forward a no confidence motion that they'll bring up a central council uh, that will, from what we're being told, that that's going to go ahead in June, and they will probably get it up. Now the, the both of these ones, like I say, they're powerful branches. They have a lot of votes when it comes to these central councils. Um and they've got some from what I understand, some some support from other branches who are saying, Yes, yes. And you know, some of them will support Leah, but it it's the thing about this all too is that it's it would be largely symbolic, right? So the rank and file can't actually get rid of the leader. But right. how would that be? And how would that look for a leader to have the party, the actual members say, we have no yeah, confidence yeah. in you? <laughs> it, but, you know, this will happen. It's the Northern Territory. Of course it will happen. And then maybe this is why she didn't ever criticize Jamie Chalker is because she's going to have 80% of rank and file members who have no confidence in her. And maybe she no. knew this was coming. I don't know. And she thought we'd bring it up. Um, but we're it's look, it's going to get there. Now, whether, what happens now? branches and the and the and the members can do what they do and they can say they have no confidence but it would really be up to their wing their parliamentary wing to do the knifing if that was going to be how it was going to go down now a lot of people uh think that they still don't have the numbers there that it's still three three and one that there's this with three three and one is kind of off on his own um that from what i understand is still the 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 situation right now uh and that might change but it's the party is just in such a bad position here and i guess we should get into what and whether or not that happens and they can bring in someone else now one name of course that's being thrown around would be that it would be edgington of course there's people concerned that he only won by seven votes and barclay is identified as a seat that would be in play for labor as well yeah. at the next election run, right? you don't want your leader not winning his seat. Um, mm. But you know, there's other we people saw that,
1: that with w- the third party at the uh, at yeah. the uh, last week.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, ended up not winning any. But there was, uh, you know, people that I've spoken to said that they thought that he might have a better chance if he's leader. Um, that a uh, higher profile there, people would see him. I don't know. It's also difficult. I think he and Tuxworth was the last. Chief Minister to um, to kind of govern from the Barclay region, but so I mean he yeah. did it. He got he got yeah. mixed up in a whole scandal. One. He got mixed up in a housing like allowance travel allowance yeah. scandal, and he had to resign because back then people actually had integrity and they resigned when they yeah. screwed up. Believe it or yeah. not, Pete, the Northern Territory did at one time have people who could accept responsibility for their screw ups. I'm and shocked
2: resign. to hear, it, Chris.
0: Yeah, yeah. I am too. I am too. Um, Anyway, yeah, back to the party. So they've had issues now. There's a few things going on here too, right? And I just want to get back to that. So some of the sources that we're talking to are saying, they don't like how Leah has has been kind of non-consultative about anything. Doesn't consult with the party about anything. Um, And they also said that she doesn't appear to have a direction. 16 months out from the next general election. One of the sources said she makes the policy decisions on her own and doesn't consult anyone in the party. She can do that to some degree as leader, but the members don't like how she's doing it. Another source said they were concerned uh, when speaking for others that uh, Fanakero has been unable to win over voters with a clear vision for what a CLP government would do if elected. Apparently, she was asked recently on ABC Radio, well, what would you do differently as a CLP? And she said, well, that's a hypothetical question and it's like oh my god if you don't have an answer for that right yeah. now like you're the, supposed to be the alternative government right now yeah, so the, yeah. this is the kind of thing Actually, now they've,
1: not hypothetical.
0: they've had a lot of problems and I'm, we're going to get into this I think a bit more later like we're going to do a whole political thing right and I'm going to save yep. a lot of my commentary on that and what's wrong with the party for that but I will say, you know, yeah, while labor ministers contradict each other on a weekly basis, growing anger over the out-of-control crime crisis, as that festers, she still seems to be unable to really have that breakthrough with people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even you look at the the, the RAM rates this week, and the CLP's solution is, well, we're going to make RAM rate, it's going to be harder to get bail or something if you commit a RAM rate. That's not going (laughs) to stop anybody from doing anything from doing (laughs) the RAM rates. Like uh, Jesus Christ, they're really out of their depth, right? So there's been some dysfunction in the on the fourth floor in the Leader of the Opposition's office. We know that. Um Yeah, sorry, just before I get before I get onto that point, just about how she's been unable to win over people is like Leah should be scoring points, the source of said, but her strategy's all over the place, missing main targets. Um now that brings us to this issue. Now, we know that Lawson Broad quit the former president. They've had like three presidents within a year. But I just, and I'm, I'm going to get to that in a sec, but I want to talk about this the opposition's office. Um, the CLP opposition's communications director, David Westman, also recently left the role with sources telling the NT independent his departure was the result of differences of opinion with Ms. Fanakiaro's new chief of staff, Allison Hannum about political strategy ahead of the twenty twenty four general election. Um, mm. so yeah, so something's going on there. Now Westman is um he's been around a while, not here in the NT, but I think he's been he was in the NT before, but he's uh he's come from uh down south, but uh, he's definitely been in politics a long time. He knows what he's yeah. doing there. Um yeah and then you've got Alison Hannum. She's out of Queensland. From what we've been told, they kind of butted heads on, on strategy and direction and where to go. So he's recently left. We'll see now is this will be up to Hannum, um, to see where the strategy is going. But again, they don't, they still just in this week. Since we've been since we ran the story, not getting it um, or getting any traction, and knowing exactly what they want to do, and and anyway, we'll, we'll see what the the fourth floor, of the opposition's office, can do. Meanwhile, back to the party, the party's got their own schism created with the Voice. Yes, and you go back to that. Remember, Lawson Broad quitted, and yep. uh, oh, it's all they're all a bunch of racists because they're not going to support the Voice. Uh, you know, you've got Jacinta Price; she's undermining Leah. In, that, in the party, clearly getting the party to support her on the no vote while Leah's sitting on the fence and I don't really know what to do because she knows it's going to be trouble for the CLP to, to show up in remote communities in the NT and say, we don't believe in a voice. Um, we don't think it, that this should happen. Now, granted that a lot of people in the remote areas from what we understand from from Gugula and others is that it's not a big issue out there yet, but no it is starting to be. And, and it will be, and it will be a year from now. Well, you know, they'll do the referendum, but even if that fails, then it'll still be an issue. It's still going to happen one way or another, but Leah's been indecisive as a leader on that, hasn't looked strong. Meanwhile, she's allowed by doing that, this kind of schism in the party where, um, yeah, where, where the members are losing faith in her because she's not representing what they want. They're kind of looking at Jacinta Price, the senator, um, and following her lead. It's a bad position for a leader to be in, um, but that's why the leader's in that position, to lead and to bring people with her. And and if you can't do that, look, yeah, and when we talk about not being able to connect to voters, and you mentioned the three straight by-elections, and then remember, if we go back to when she was leader in the last term of government, she also uh, lost the Johnson by-election. Yes, and she lost the general election we know in 2020. Um, so
1: President, I'm no political it. figure, and I don't pretend to be. Uh, Leon, you might remember Leon. He uh, used to appear on this podcast. I remember that um, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he said a few times, and I could never really understand it at the time. But he used to say, "I can see how someone like Trump." Could mm-hmm. come into a market like the NT and you know, win we do and well. Yeah. And I, I can now actually see why, right? Yeah. Now, I know Leah doesn't care who I am or who we are or whatever, and that's fine. And
0: well, she does, and she was yeah, anyway, uh, it's okay. uh, just the associates of hers indicated they were not happy with the NT independence reporting of this story.
1: Oh so yeah, clearly okay, okay. she's
0: been taking this thing personally. Well, fair enough.
1: But what I would say to her is this. Get onto the chief minister's social media pages, read the room for a minute, and see that people are absolutely fed up. Right now is the time to stand for something, mm. right? It doesn't matter if you're going to get some people offside. That's what leaders do but you need to stand for something. And having no opinion on things is yeah. not doing you any favours. Um, the internal stuff, that's that's whatever it is, but you need to uh, – look, we, we interviewed several CLP members before the previous election, as you know, Chris, and we, we were told at the time that, oh, we don't come up with policies until about six weeks before the election. Why? Why? You, you lost you lost the previous one, you were crazy. slaughtered, and then you lost this one. Get on the front foot and stand for bloody well something.
0: Yeah, no, look, any party that, that's won or been successful would have developed their policy six weeks after the last election that they lost. That's when you go yeah. back, you do the autopsy yeah. and you get on the yes. drawing board and come up with stuff and then test it over those years and see what's going to work and what isn't. Yeah, yeah, that that's unbelievable, but this party has no... Um, ambition, it appears. Like, it, it, I think, like right now, if you looked at, I'd love, like I said, to do a poll. And I told you, a lot of people wouldn't vote because it would be so pissed off at both of them. But I think, like, <laughs> yeah. like Labor has a better chance of winning.
1: I agree. Right? I completely and it's agree
0: because this opposition has not been able to do its job effectively.
1: And the thing about that, Chris, that's unfathomable, is. And I'm sure, you know, somebody within the party who's got the blinkers on could tell me. But let's look at the public. Tell me what Labor have done in six years. What have they done that that we can say, oh, they did that really well?
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus, yeah.
1: No, Do you know what I, I mean? Like, tell me. But by the same token, the the opposition is so impotent that they're not an alternative. Yeah. So the alternative will be, that we know the public service is particularly powerful because of the overweight numbers, it'll be, oh, well, the opposition is not strong enough to command enough people to swing that it could even get close. So the current government will get back in and just look at what we're dealing with right now. Just look at, you know, you can list a litany of things where it's embarrassing what they've done and gotten away with, Mm -hmm. but... They, they've managed to get away with it because there is no opposition of any strength.
0: Yeah. And and this is what they need to go and figure out. So, and and yeah, look, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this some more, Pete. I'm looking forward to doing that kind of just political yeah, thing too. because um, we can explore this a little further because yeah, there's some serious issues there. And then the other thing will this year be, next year you know we've seen that strong independence in the bush especially and will that yeah. will that be the year that both major parties lose the bush yeah. um and then that there's a balance power shift anyway yeah it, it, it things are very interesting in anti-politics right now but uninspiring at the same time like how yes. bad can it get and how low can they go anyway there yeah, CLP' is gonna have to really do some soul-searching as well as as well as labor but um yeah that's just kind of where it's at right now
1: Correct, and they've got less than 18 months to do it in case they didn't realize it themselves. <laughs> yeah,
0: 16, yeah.
1: All right, look, let's move over to um, the next subject. We'll get away from politics, although sort of not, uh, for a while. And um, <laughs> your friend of mine, Chris, Eddie Maguire, has come out and decided Chris. to get involved in the debate as to whether Darwin should get an AFL team or not.
0: Yeah, he's not um, my friend, that treacherous sleaze, uh, I'll tell you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So he's come out and said that the NT is in complete disarray socially and uh, therefore the case for why the NT should get an AFL team uh, should be delayed.
0: Yeah, he has. And um, I guess this has upset Kate Warden now for some reason. And look, I'll I'll get into that in a sec. But Anyway, look, with the announcement of that Tasmanian team, um, one would have thought that this whole push for a Darwin team, may have been given a little bit of motivation or something to get their shit together yeah, and yeah. they're doing it. But no, Woody goes and asks around, they don't get back. He finds the reports they missed a deadline for this thing on how they were going to put together this argument for a team here in the NT. So you've got um, you've got that, they missed a the deadline. And then Gunner decides, Michael Gunner of all people, like anyone needed to see that. Yeah. <laughs> <ideas.
1: laughs>
0: Well, doing I think deals... is that less
1: doing brumbies in Queensland?
0: Yeah, now fo- Following in his predecessor, Adam Giles' footsteps and working for a WA billionaire um, and <laughs> probably screwing up something there and, and it sounds like he's doing things that he had... Worked for it with government and that company with the FFI stuff and the Sun Cable, but anyway, whatever. Anyway, he pops his head out though because we need to see him now in the middle of the crime crisis that he helped we create, yeah. yeah, and all the problems that we're dealing with that he was an architect of. Um, yeah, he comes on and says it would be a good social force in the territory. Uh, then you've got Eddie McGuire saying, "Look, the AFL couldn't put a team in the NT because it's in complete disarray socially at the moment." Hmm. And it is. He's right. Actually, Maguire's right. Now here's the thing. I I'm not a big fan of Eddie McGuire. I don't do the AFL thing. I got my own other reasons for <laughs> for that, but um
1: he uh You hate Collingwood too even <laughs> as a Canadian?
0: <laughs> no, but um look, I just anyway, th- th- this whole thing, he's he's raised this as an issue uh and he's right about that, right? We do, we do have these social yeah. issues here. Now, yeah. somebody had said this, though. They said. Uh and it was on Facebook. It was on, look, you've got Eddie McGuire, you've got Michael Gunner. If you just throw Adolf Hitler in there, and then there's three guys I will (laughs) never agree with (laughs) on anything, but Eddie McGuire's right about this. The NT is in social disarray. And so how are we arguing for a a club? Well, we're not really because the guys who are supposed to be doing this didn't do it. They just haven't done their job. No, they put together a thing. They spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on proposals and reports. This crazy thing, Um, Um, that that, that they're saying that they're going to take seriously and that they need to, but I just don't see it happening. I think he's right about that as much as as despised as he might be from people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got to
1: say some things, Chris,
0: please. Go for it.
1: I don't disagree. And again, this will probably be an unpopular statement, but it is what it is. I don't disagree that the NT Darwin specifically is not ready for an AFL team. And the reason why I say that is mm-hmm. look at the failure of the NT Thunder. And, and part of the reason for that is we just can't command the numbers at games to put enough people on seats in the stadiums to generate the revenue. It's extremely expensive. And Tasmania has been pushing for this for years and years and years. And they've got more than double the population of the NT and they're spitting distance from Melbourne. So, you know, it's not difficult for them to have a team playing in Melbourne every second week because it's an hour's flight away. So, you know, that that's that. However, what what I really am getting sick and tired of, and again I discussed this with Matt Patterson the other day, is The AFL, and I won't say that Eddie represents the AFL in those statements, but he sort of represents the AFL just due to his longevity as the Collingwood president and his involvement with commentating over all those years. The AFL needs to stop sticking its business in the Northern Territories business because telling the Alice Springs Town Council that if they don't run the community football uh, tournament, then they're not going to get an AFL game Apart from the fact that it's blackmail, they have no idea what they're dealing with in Alice Springs and what chaos that causes every year when all those people come in from the communities and expect to stay at family and friends and lob up and you know it it is really disruptive to the people who have to deal with eight extra people living in their house for a month yeah. while this while this tournament goes on. So we just got to be really careful that These down south organizations who think that they're bigger than God, Mm -hmm. you know, need to stop getting involved in our business.
0: Well, I think, look, I think you're right there. And even Eddie, I think, said something capitulating later and saying, I only meant Alice is screwed up. (laughs) Even them. But here's the thing.
1: He's right right that the NT has got problems. He's absolutely right. He probably didn't even realize that himself.
0: Yeah. And I get where you're coming from because there is some serious issues (laughs) with how the AFL is running things here and and working with partners in Alice Springs. They're, they're way off the mark down there of whatever it is they're trying to pull on council yeah. and council standing yeah. their ground and good for them the thing yeah. that, that that happened today and now this comment was made like days ago and anyway woody got a story up and tied it into this report that, that about a team coming here the outcomes you know and they talked about that like you talk about the money right there, there's no yeah. way that it's financially viable but gunner and some other people are saying man but it's it's about social outcomes for territorians and there's potential socioeconomic benefits they think it will stop crime Essentially, that I, it'll,
1: I do understand. Yeah, that. it'll have that.
0: those kinds of things, right? But Definitely. but here's the thing about that, and I I don't I honestly think you're right. It's going to be a long time if if ever if ever it happens. Now, Kate Warden. Now, this was said days ago. What Eddie McGuire said about us being having some social issues here, and um, Kate Warden takes a while, and then the ABC does something today, and they say oh, well, what do you think, minister? And she said, oh, he's a southerner, he doesn't know nothing, and he can come up here sometime and see the end. Now, look, <laughs> a while ago, you might get some points for that, and she might have even got some points because it's Eddie McGuire, right? Yes. But the, 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 the nature of the comment was reflective of what people down south think of the Northern Territory and Darwin right now. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wanted to do a story on that, not because it was Eddie McGuire, but because Mm -hmm. he's reflective of what people down there are saying. I don't think Eddie McGuire has a sweet clue about the Northern Territory, but Mm -hmm. he's saying what people are thinking down there right now. And that's what we need to understand is that this place is so screwed up that it's not just being contained within our borders. This is how the rest of the country views Darwin and the Northern Territory and Alice Springs as well, that, that there are social issues there, that that place is so messed up. And, you know that's that should be more of an impetus for a minister like Kate Warren to fix the issue instead of trying to get those political points. Like I told you before, politically that was always like the best thing that anybody in the NT a politician could do to, to, to win over voters and get some support would be to say, Oh, look at the the, the Southerners down there in Canberra wanting to come in and show us how to do yeah, things.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, but now it's like actually we want to give them a chance uh, because you guys come and up. <laughs> yeah. Right. And 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 that's what that, that comment is, is just reflective of the fact that that's how people see it now and we've let it get to that. So you talk about talking the territory down, as Labour does to criticize people who are telling the truth about the place, they're letting the territory down. And they're letting it down that it gets to that point where that's our reputation now on the national yep. stage. And that needs yep. to be addressed. And yeah, screw the AFL and whatever they're about. But yeah, yeah. I just think that that comment is reflective of what the rest of the country thinks and we got to fix that.
1: I do agree with that. I, I also think that... Um, you know what's interesting is that the the northern territory is is very much off the radar of other states particularly you know victoria and new south wales and it's interesting what information people do get about what's happening here and what information they don't get i think i think that's really interesting yeah. but my great fear right now and i've said this to you before is that we have a Labor federal government and we have a Labor territory government. And perhaps if it was the other way around, either either way, there might be more of a motivation to step in yeah. as far as the feds are concerned. Yeah. But but given that they're amongst friends, it feels like it's going to take a hell of a lot more.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. W- w- yeah. Yeah. Um. It's a good point. And I think that, yeah, that that might take a while, but it's it's going to have to, right? And we were talking about fracking and all of yeah. that going on yeah. and the green light in the Beetaloo Basin. Um, to That's frack an there.
1: interesting one.
0: Because, yeah, they, they've lied. They've lied to the, the public about that. And we talked about that. But this is an issue now that that needs to because of these offsets, these emission offsets that they cannot do here in no, the Northern no. Territory. No. They need the Feds to come in and do that. It still needs to be approved, and then you've got Adam Bant. We ran that story today with the Greens saying, "Well, we've got to deal with federal labor," yeah. and this actually can't go ahead unless it's approved and it's done under this this council, the federal council. So it's going to have to go back. The Feds are going to step in on this now, on this green line for fracking in the Beetaloo. So if they're doing it there, well then. Let's just go a little further, as I'm saying, that administrative intervention, if they can't manage industry properly, and then we know they're not managing crime. I I get what you're saying politically, it looks bad, but I think that they're at the point where they're looking at this place and saying, like, we've got to do something. Like, somebody needs to render assistance, as you would to a car crash victim on the side of the road, because that's (laughs) what we are right
1: now. If, If they look at it pragmatically and say, Oh, geez. See, th- this whole thing with the Beedaloo Basin uh, approval has that ring of it. You know, like, I don't know if you've got siblings or what have you, but you know when your sibling really screws up and you've got to go and fix it? Mm-hmm. It's It's got yeah. that feeling to it. But yeah, yeah, where yeah. do you then go, all right, well, what else have you done to screw up that I need to fix? That's the question they need to ask beyond mm-hmm. fixing that one situation.
0: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and um, you know, but that—that is—that is, anyway. Just back to credibility with the government on that mm-hmm. and that whole beetaloo fracking thing, and I did just want to uh, talk a bit more about that, just quickly, about how yep. you know, yeah, the Greens saying that. So files had come out and, and said that that the implementation report, the scientific inquiry into hydraulic fracturing pepper report, the final implementation thing was done on Wednesday morning, and that, that it would be approved, of course. We were reporting. Well, wait a second. We go and read that report, and it turns yeah. out that they didn't implement them all. The the, the journalists let them get away with this. Um, it's nine point eight. We saw the the office, as I was saying, yeah. graffiti with nine point eight. Million number, man. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that the NT and Australian government seek, and this is what the recommendation 9.8 stated was, that the NT and Australian government seek to ensure that there is no net increase in the life cycle GHG emissions emitted in Australia from any onshore shale gas produced in the NT. Dr. David Ritchie, the independent oversight officer, in his final letter, he made it clear the recommendation 9.8 had not been implemented He said, despite the Commonwealth agreeing to work with the territory to support its implementation of Recommendation 9.8 using available technology and policies, there has been no progress on the crux of this recommendation.
2: Mm. uh,
0: yet. And that is to develop a system that would allow the public to see how a specific reduction in greenhouse gas elsewhere in the Australian economy is directly attributed to the offset emitted in Australia from production and consumption of shale gas produced in the NT. It's become an issue, a central issue of public concern because the NT and Australian governments have not yet been able to ensure no net increase uh, in the life cycle GHG emissions emitted in Australia from any onshore gas. Um, yeah, so, you know, Files told the press conference that so we've absolutely met the recommendation.
1: right. Absolutely.
0: Uh, it, it's unbelievable. Yeah, we're absolutely 100%.
1: Yeah, I can guarantee we
0: <laughs> We did it. We No, <laughs> you didn't. And there's other issues here. And, you know, making the story up about um, uh, the, the traditional owners being able to um, have veto power. Uh, you yeah. know, this is just, anyway, we'll see what happens here. I just, yeah, I had to bring that up in and the... And the um, and what Adam Bant said, this is interesting, the federal leader of the Greens, uh, he said that the, uh, the Greens agreement, um, he said federal labor had also committed to the Pepper Inquiry recommendation. So this is federal labor and following the Greens agreement on the federal safeguard bill, the Beetaloo Basin and other gas projects have been under pressure now. He said, now the NT government is trying to shore up the controversial Beetaloo gas field by jumping the gun on pepper inquiry recommendations, including the requirement for the Energy Minister's Council to consider how scope two and three emissions of the project should be dealt with. Pepper inquiry recommendations on water and First Nations rights have also not been implemented. Mm. Whatever spin NT labor wants to use, the federal Greens leader said, our agreement makes it clear that the pepper inquiry has not yet been implemented it's a knee jerk reaction to give the gas industry hope that australia's biggest threat to save climate will start operating it's like i was saying yesterday you know that's it's, uh, it's not good for industry either yeah, when you yeah. know, because people be questioning this stuff, you want to make sure that you've covered all your bases there, and you have that social mm-hmm. license that we talk about um, to go in there and do that. And if the government's covering stuff up here and lying to the public about it, that's going to make industry look bad too.
1: So it's embarrassing too that uh, the federal Labor Party at this stage haven't done much. We know the uh, Liberal. Federal government last time didn't do much. Yep. The opposition in the Northern Territory hasn't done much, and yet the bloody listless Greens federally might bring this, bring down the NT government.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly, because <laughs> they're saying this council it needs that's to be referred to the Energy Council. So that's it, that's going to happen. Um, yeah. So expect expect something else to come down the line here before they're not getting away with this anyway.
1: Interesting. All right. Look, lastly, from the story's perspective uh, on this episode, Chris, um, not that I was at all surprised to read this story, but uh, this should actually be playing into the hands beautifully of the opposition and and probably the federal government if they're looking to step in to do this um, uh, yeah, caretaker administration. Yep. Is the NT economy still ranks last in the latest ComSec State of the States report.
0: That's right, and I think it's something like the nineteenth consecutive quarter and we're going on like we're on years, Yeah, of being the last jurisdiction, ranked jurisdiction of economic performance in the country, um, Tasmania. On the other hand, well, isn't everything going great for Tasmania these days? they uh, Australia's best, yeah, best performing economy. Um, Look, the the CompSec State of the State Quarterly Report follows last month's Deloitte Access Economic Quarterly Report that I know you and I were speaking about then. The state of the territory is expected to experience the weakest economic growth of the jurisdictions in 2022-23. Comsec's latest economic report, however, stated that despite ranking last overall, the NT, so as positive, the NT, has recorded the fastest job growth in the 12 months to March, uh, up 5.1%, that provides an improvement on consumer spending and housing demand. Uh, and we ranked fourth on relative economic growth and relative population growth. Even though, I mean, the population is, what, 0.3% on the 10-year average? Um, it's not big, but uh, it is technically growing. Uh, I think <laughs> one of the big thing was retail trade spending was down significantly on this one. That's going to be concerning, uh, I think, for a lot of places, uh, for a lot of people here. Um, and that we were in eight spot. And again, mainly due also to weakened resource experts in retail trade spending, as I was saying, the retail spending is way, 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 way down. Uh, what was it comparatively? I think... Uh, it's
1: because they're not spending that is ram riding and grabbing these days. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's it. But look, it, it just seems to me that, yeah, a lot of business is going up. So look, if they're not spending, people aren't going out and spending, and you're getting broken into... You're not sticking yeah. around, right? And we we had yeah. that story this week about that and property council saying their numbers, the people were leaving, um, yeah. that the business owners just get fed up and say, "Why am I still doing this? I'm just going to continue to get broken into, and then that's it." And if you're not making money, people are on outside spending. Because um,
1: when you talk about the jobs growth, I'd be really interested to know uh, what the attri- attrition rate is as well. So yeah. are these these aren't new jobs, are they these? they could potentially be re jobs.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it didn't get into any breakdown of any of that. But, uh, yeah, retail trade spending down 3.2%. The jobless rate, is that what you, you were mentioning? Yeah, the,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: It was during the period the territory's jobless rate was back to 3.9% below the 4.4% 10-year average. And it looks good, but, yeah, what are those positions yeah. exactly? I don't know.
1: The thing with the Northern Territory, though, is when people uh, either lose their jobs or resign from their jobs, they move into states, so they don't remain unemployed in the Territory.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good point. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Home loans for the quarter, every other jurisdiction scored above the decade average, except the Territory, which is 0.5% lower than its 10-year average. Um, yeah, other than construction sector, also posted the weakest figures here. Fifty-six point three percent below the decade average. Um, yeah, so some other scary stuff. So For now, until we get to see some sort of vision here, but we yeah, we got the budget coming out next week, so let's see the uh, vision in that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right. Shorts sure next week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am absolutely. 100% percent you confident what is it absolutely 100% I've, you can count on me
1: it's definitely next week
0: it will be on Tuesday May 9th yeah buckle up for that one I it's they've already put out I think all of their sweeteners already all the good news so expect oh, yeah. uh, that to just be and endeavis- double
1: sugar free sweeteners this time like <laughs> yeah
0: yeah <laughs> yeah there, there hasn't been too much to crow out there but um, anyway we'll see more next week A Parliament.
1: All right. Well, speaking of jobs, just hold on for a second.
0: And now, it's time for the Job Files, thanks to no one in particular.
1: Now, Chris. Yes. I thought what I'd do this week, because last week we had that sort of fairly uh, important government position, which was paying. It wasn't the highest we've ever seen, but it was still a fairly large paycheck for the type of role that it was. Mm. I know it with interest that the city of Darwin has uh, advertised for a public relations and external affairs advisor this week, which, while not being exactly the same as the yeah. last one, it's similar-ish.
0: Yeah, it is. It is, yep.
1: Now, the money they're offering is 100000 to to $107,000 per year. Um,
0: part-time?
1: Uh, no, <laughs> full, no, sorry. No. I thought that was a trick question. No, full-time. Absolutely okay. full-time. Um. To excel in this role, you need to be highly organized with strong attention to detail, excellent research and writing skills, and possess highly developed verbal communication and influencing skills. That sounds, uh, I think people in the mafia have (laughs) highly, anyway, developed influencing skills. Um, An ability to build positive relationships with media outlets and journalists is essential. There you go, Chris. You well, might maybe make they'll, some new friends.
0: Yeah, maybe they'll start talking to us again when this new person comes in. But, uh you
1: never know. You never yeah, know. they from down south, at least for the first week, they will.
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think it's with the mayor there, with Diamond Con, that he'll pick and choose when he responds to us. If it's something he doesn't uh, like, he won't. It suits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's not really acceptable, but that's how he wants to do it, and I'm sure this person won't be able to convince him otherwise. Mm. But, um, yeah, compare that to a similar job there was like 160 or something. Yeah, yeah. It was anti government.
1: Almost 180 was the upward trajectory of that. Um, That's crazy. the, The role provides strategic public relations and external affairs advice and services to the organization and is responsible for developing the internal and external communications for the Lord Mayor and CEO including media releases, talking points, speeches, newsletters, publications, and digital content. So, Chris, you should demand that they talk to you because they're responsible for uh, well, media releases.
0: Yeah, I would I, have <laughs> I done that before. I think this is like my friend Fred McHugh's job. I think he's recently left there, and uh, he, right. got, he got upset with us about something. and Um, That was unfortunate. But anyway, yeah, Yeah. I would love to work with them. If whoever takes over there, yeah, they can call you. They can get in touch with you. You can get in touch with me and we'll all have a chat.
1: It's almost like a reverse job interview. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Call us. (laughs) Call us and I'll put you on the (laughs) call. If if you're interested in the role, give Louise Tadjul, I think that's how you spell it, call, 8930 Zero six five one. So uh, yeah, that's this week's job files. Chris, as always, mate, it's been a pleasure. Um, I'm looking forward to the budget and what that's going to bring. We're not expecting any surprises from what you're telling me.
0: No. Yeah, no, and we're not. Uh, well, yeah, who knows? So there'll, there'll probably be a surprise, and it won't be a pleasant one. We're not expecting any pleasant surprises, let's say that. Right, right. And uh, also, we've got that whole kind of full week next week of parliamentary sittings where there'll be um, uh, fireworks, I'm sure, clown show, yeah. I'm sure, uh, all kinds of silliness yeah. and craziness, and hopefully uh, something happens here to, to get this place on the right foot because we're hurting everybody here is mm. in the NT and we need to fix this. And we need our politicians to grow up and, uh, take that silly politics out of it and find solutions to get this place back where it needs to be.
1: Mm. And if you've got time on the 11th, make sure you head to the, uh, the rally at parliament house.
0: Yeah. It's going to be interesting Yeah, Two o'clock. They probably should do it. At one o'clock. But, uh, anyway, I don't know if that will change, but, um, because, yeah, they'll be sitting in at two o'clock question time and you'll have all the media in there on that. But anyway, yeah, everybody needs to go because uh, uh, I think the government needs to understand. And I don't know how many times it takes or what it takes, but uh, yeah. that that things need to change and that they need to get help now and they need to keep us safe.
1: Absolutely. All right, Chris, I'll catch you next week.
0: Great. Thanks, Pete. We'll see you next week.
1: That was Chris Walsh from the NT Independent Online Newspaper. Weekends with Walshie, back again next week on the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition. We'll catch you then.
0: You've been listening to the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition with Peter Gowers. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency. For more episodes, go to all your favourite podcasting platforms or head to territorystory.com.